Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, when I asked you what our program was going to be about today, you had a very simple answer. Bats. (laughs) Yes, Scott. We're going to talk about bats today. All right. It was interesting that in the most recent Creation Matters journal, the cover article is about bats. And then shortly after I read that article, I came across another article from the Smithsonian Magazine, also about bats. Mm. Obviously, what Creation Matters and the Smithsonian Magazine publish are going to be presented from very different perspectives. Slight contrast. And so I thought it would be interesting to consider the two articles about bats. So it's going to be a kind of compare and contrast presentation today. Well, that's one way of describing it, although it will be a lot more contrasting than comparing as we read from the two articles. Now, has there been some new discovery related to bats that prompted this current interest? No, I don't think it's that. Maybe the interest in bats is a consequence of the probability that the origin, at least in part, of the COVID-19 virus seems to have been a bat. Ah. But whatever the reason is for the interest, I'm a big fan of bats. Not the COVID bat. (laughs) No, that's one we could have done without. But I find them to be a marvelous feat of engineering. And I really enjoy every opportunity I get to observe them, despite the bad reputation they generally have among most people. Bad reputation. Well, let's see. There are vampire bats. They spread rabies. Need I go on? (laughs) (laughs) Now, vampire bats get a bad rap because of the movies. True. Even though people know better, they associate blood-sucking ghouls with bats. And, well, the rabies issue is real, but lots of mammals can carry rabies. Bats don't have a corner on that market. In any event, the first amazing thing about them is they are mammals, the only flying mammals in all creation. But having said the only flying mammals, Scott, do you know what order of mammals has more individuals than any other? Hmm, why do I think the answer is bats? <laughs> because like all chiropteran, you have echolocation. Hmm. You hear something and quickly figure out where it's coming from. <laughs> so let's consider some of the details from the two articles I mentioned. The first is titled The Bat's Tale at Carlsbad Caverns by Dave Wetzel. It was published in the spring 2021 issue of Creation Matters. And the second one is titled, Why Bats Are One of Evolution's Greatest Puzzles, by Riley Black, published in the April 2020 issue of Smithsonian Magazine. Now, I'm going to start by reading some of the statements in the Smithsonian article. After acknowledging that most people seem to be afraid of bats, it said, quote, This fear often overshadows the fascinating fact that bats are the only mammals to have evolved powered flight and they've been flapping around for tens of millions of years. Where then did these flying oddities come from? Bats pop up in the fossil record around 50 million years ago. Paleontologists have recovered remains ranging from teeth and bits of jaw to stunning full skeletons in places as far-flung as Wyoming, Paris, Australia, and India. Wow. Unquote. Now, I'll address the claim, which they reiterate over and over again, that bats have been around for 50 million years. But I will continue reading, and I want everyone to witness the number of claims evolutionists make about the origin and ancestry of bats and why. So, reading from the Smithsonian article again, quote, There are some differences between the oldest bats and their modern relatives. 
Based upon the ear anatomy of the better-preserved specimens, for example, scientists know that the first bats couldn't echolocate. They relied on sight, smell, and touch to find their meals. While modern bats have a claw only on the equivalent of our thumb, earlier bats kept some of the additional finger claws inherited from their ancestors. A fossil bat found in 2008, dating to about 52 million years ago, dubbed Anaconicteris finneri, had claws on all five of its fingers. New technology has added a few details to the early bat story, too. A recent study of coloration in the fossil record found that two 48-million-year-old bats found in Germany were mostly brown. Hmm. Despite these strides, scientists are left with some big questions. For one thing, the 50-million-year-old bat specimens are already recognizable as bats. So where did they come from? When, where, why, and how the first bats become airborne is another mystery buried in deep time, unquote. There you have it. The evolutionary solution to every riddle is the existence of deep time. Yep. In other words, multiplied millions of years. Whenever actual evidence is found, it's dated by techniques using deep time assumptions. And whenever no evidence is found, the idea that the artifacts needed are shrouded in deep time is offered as the explanation for there being no evidence, at least yet. Dr. Scripture, it seems to me that both of those kinds of proposals involve circular reasoning. They're like self-fulfilling prophecies. Well, I tend to agree, Scott. And so when contradictory evidence is uncovered, it's ignored, marginalized, or explained as an anomaly that evolutionists will be able to explain when we have more information. And with that in mind, then, let's look at the Creation Matters article. What this article presents is the discoveries of numerous bat skeletons encased in stalagmites, the most famous being reported way back in the October 1953 issue of National Geographic. That National Geographic article showed a startling photo of what was obviously a bat covered in calcite, the thing that a stalagmite is made of. You could see its head and some of its wings draped over the cone of a stalagmite found in Carlsbad Caverns. Dr. Scripture, I don't mean to get off topic, but what's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite? A stalagmite comes up from the floor. A stalactite hangs down from the ceiling. Just remember, Scott, G for ground and C for ceiling. Wow. Could not be simpler. I'll never be confused again. <laughs> well, I'm pleased you're so sure of yourself now, Scott. <laughs> I wonder, though, if your claim isn't as inflated as the evolutionary claims we just heard. <laughs> but, oh, I need to stick to the subject. Bats in stalagmites. So I'm going to continue reading some more excerpts from the Creation Matters article. Quote, this intriguing picture became iconic in creation science circles since it illustrated the rapidity with which stalagmites can form under optimal circumstances. This bat has some preserved tissue besides bones, evidence it was covered rather quickly, which negates the simplistic uniformitarian notion that stalagmites and stalactites must be hundreds of thousands to several million years old because they typically grow so slowly in the present, unquote. So let me picture what must have happened for that bat to get encased in the stalactite. 
<laughs> stalagmite, Scott. Ah. Stalagmite. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the calcite formation was a cone pointing up from the ground, and the bat was draped over the point of the stalagmite. Oh, man, so much for my ironclad memory. Yeah, really. The bat is draped over the point of the stalagmite, and then there's more calcite deposited on top or over it. Exactly. So how did it get stuck there? Well, I'm not going to make up an explanation when I didn't observe exactly what happened. But it must have been immobile for the mineral water to drip long enough on it to deposit the hardened calcite over it. Most likely, it was dead. But even a dead bat could only last a very short time in that position. The deposition of calcite had to be very rapid. In contrast to the evolutionary explanation of how long it takes for these formations to form. Now here's some more from the Creation Matters article. Quote, The 1953 National Geographic article, written by Mason Sutherland, declares that Carlsbad caverns are millions of years old. But it does note that the mineral formations stand on top of geologically recent material. Sutherland said, Few of these secondary formations can exceed 100,000 years, for many rest on silt and fossils believed to be of that age. Perhaps Sutherland realized the incongruity of the old assigned age and the photo of the bat preserved in the cave. So he's saying the Carlsbad Caverns are millions of years old, but the stalagmite the bat is encased in is maybe only 100,000 years old. Well, apparently. But that's certainly a flexible date. I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) I'll read a little more. Quote, Perceptive visitors to Carlsbad Caverns have noted the evolving story of the signage. The visitor's sign originally said the room was at least 260 million years old, but it was changed in 1988 to read 7 to 10 million years, later 2 million years, and now it's gone. Hmm. And during Dave Wetzel's last visit, park rangers gave a variety of answers when he inquired about the age of the cavern ranging from millions of years to we don't know. At last, an accurate date. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, there's nothing wrong about saying I don't know. So to finish talking about the Creation Matters article, Wetzel also described several other bats he's observed encased in calcite deposits, some in Carlsbad, some in caves in New Mexico. One such fossil still apparently had soft tissue on it, and there was discoloration below the body of the bat, likely due to leaking of decaying flesh and body tissue as the wet stalagmite formed around the dead bat. Ew, rotten flesh seepage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's not a pretty picture. Nope. But it certainly paints a picture of a very rapidly formed stalagmite. And what's the application of these observations to the Smithsonian Magazine article about bat evolution? The dates automatically, dogmatically presented by evolutionists for the fossils of organisms, in the cases we've been considering today, the fossils of bats, are repeatedly being shown to be wrong. Reading again from that article, quote, The question is where the missing examples of early bats may be found. The short answer is, we don't know why there is a missing record of 10 million years, said Emily Brown, University of Birmingham paleontologist. Kevin Seymour of the Royal Ontario Museum says, refining our sense of what an early proto-bat might look like is essential. The current record doesn't offer many hints. 
Consider Aniko Nicteris, one of the oldest known bats featuring some of the most complete remains. While this mammal has more primitive limb proportions and claws on its fingers, it's still a bat. And isn't that the whole issue? Different species of bats, extinct or otherwise, many have varying features like longer tails or one or more claws on their wings, but to say they represent a progression over the span of 50 million years is simply speculative. Correct. Based on the assumption one specimen is quote-unquote more primitive than another. But as they themselves admit, they're all bats. That's right, Scott. It just drives you batty. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I felt like if I had the chance to work that in somewhere, I should. I'd say that was about as good an idea as my confidence to never confuse stalagmite and stalactite. <laughs> okay, so we're even. Okay. Well, I hope everyone has enjoyed today's program as much as we've enjoyed recording it. <laughs> and since our time's up, let's just be reminded of what the Word of God says about the origin of bats. Should we read the fifth or sixth day of creation, Scott? You know, I'm not sure. Well, me either. But I tend to think God created bats with the other flyers, the birds, on day five. So I'll read Genesis 1.20. Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. 